Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. This is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City. But don't be fooled. If you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. So as always on New Mana, we're going to have amazing, heartfelt conversations about Jesus moving in our lives, and then we're going to follow it up with just a, a rich, sincere conversation about one of these amazing papal documents that we've been given from the past 150 years or so because the church has tradition and the tradition sustains us and gives us life and it leads us on the way. Come on. So today I have the distinct privilege of being joined by three awesome individuals. One, Mr. Deacon, Reverend, almost yes. Reverend, Deacon, Reverend Mr. Reverend Timothy Skoke. Welcome, mm. Tim. Thank you, Lee. We're also joined by the almost Reverend Mr. Aaron Waldeck. Thank you. Great to be here. And last but not least is the younger sister of Tim is Lucy Skoke. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an honor to, to be with you guys. Thank you for coming to my house of all places today. It just mm. It's Holy Week. It's Holy Thursday. Super big, awesome, fat feast. We're going to throw down for dinner tonight before the darkness comes upon us. Entrance this Will the dinner be held back in the dining room or where we moved this table? Right. To we do are this we've moved this table into what would you call this room? I don't know. The, the sunroom. The foyer. The foyer. No, the foyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're we're currently sitting in the middle of our family room, foyer, whatever you want to call it. And we are sitting at the table that was once in the dining room. So it's great. You're gonna see all this in the leaven. Anyway, what what's going mm-hmm. on in life today? Where do you it's only Thursday, man. Everything today is Eucharistic. Everything today is about the priesthood um, entering into this time. So I think it's like the calm before the storm. It's like the mm. super, it's the Super Bowl for Catholics coming up. It's also two days post the Chrism Mass. Yeah, the Chrism Mass was where the uh, the priesthood was honored and renewed in many of the priests of our archdiocese. So uh, very fitting, very fitting to be here. And what is the Chrism Mass, Aaron? Chrism Mass is a very special Mass that. Uh, is called to be celebrated on Holy Thursday, but for various reasons can be celebrated anytime during Holy Week, uh, the beginning of Holy Week, rather, where the Archbishop uh, blesses all of the oils that will be used in the sacraments for the upcoming year, which includes the oil of catechumens, oil of the sick, and uh, sort of by name, the chrism, the sacred chrism that will be used in baptisms, confirmations, and ordinations. But it's also a celebration of the priesthood and our local church. Everyone comes together, all of the priests um, come all together to renew their priestly promises yeah. in the presence of the archbishop. Amen. And the chrism, just it's a fancy word out there for anybody who's not familiar with this term. Chrism comes from the uh, word anointing, right? And it's this, it's this uh, special oil that is used for the, the, the sacramental bringing in of the faithful into the church. It's a, it's a transformative oil. Like there's healing, there's oil of the healing of the sick. Mm-hmm. That's not chrism. Mm-hmm. There's oil of, what's the other one? I Catechumens. Forget. Catechumens. So it's kind of like your, your prequel, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, your, your prequel oil before coming into the church. And then you've got your chrism, which is like full embodiment being brought into the body of Christ through baptism. And then also at confirmation. Am I missing anything? Ordination. Mm-hmm. And ordination. Yeah, Deacon you, Tim is preparing to get uh, ordinate or uh, chrism all over his hands at mm. his priestly ordination. All of us receive an anointing with chrism at our baptism. 
on the crown of our head after we are baptized. I believe after we're baptized. I think so. And then uh, you also receive it at confirmation on your forehead. And the, the third time when that could happen is at a priestly ordination when they uh, will anoint Deacon Tim's hands mm. or an Episcopal consecration where mm. they pour it on top of your head. <laughs> nice. They actually get it poured. Yes. That's so great. What a wonderful image. Yeah. Oil running down the beard of Aaron. <laughs> right. Get yourself some Exodus. Some, uh, some maybe, it's a, maybe it's a foreshadowing. Oh, you're saying actually Aaron. Um, no. You're talking about me, me or the, 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 <laughs> the, song, brother, the brother of Moses. The brother of Moses. Nice. His spokesman. <laughs> maybe so. one day you. Yeah. Maybe that was a prophetic utterance. Pope Aaron. Don't just, stop. That's not, end no, there. that's too far. That's too far. Yeah. <laughs> too far. Does the Pope get I'm just trying to finish my sixth year of seminary. How about yeah. that? Yeah. One step at a time. Does the Pope, however, does he get chrismed? I don't believe so. Great. Because he's already like there. He, yeah, I don't think he receives a, an extra anointing. Cool. Being Upon being elected Holy Father. Right on. Mm. So let's go back to the beginning. Mm. How did you fall in love with Jesus Christ? And how did he make himself known to you in the Eucharist? Go ahead, Tim. Ladies first. That's mean. <laughs> um, as Lee said, uh, my name is Lucy Skoke. I am Tim's younger sister, seven of seven. Um, I currently serve as a focused missionary at uh, Loris College in Dubuque, Iowa. Um, but yeah, taking you back to the garden, um, <laughs> nice. Sick I, reference. <laughs> thanks. I, uh, would say that it's definitely been a journey, um, for me and I grew up cradle Catholic, went to Catholic schooling, kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, and I knew of Jesus, um, when, when growing up and would go to Sunday mass, um, but didn't necessarily have that relationship with the Lord, um, until actually becoming a focused missionary, if mm. I'm being quite honest. Um, but yeah, during my schooling, we actually had chances to go to adoration. Mm. Um, on Wednesday nights, we would have adoration, the school, the student body would fill an adoration slot, um, from nine to 10 PM. And usually I would go, mm. um, and I would talk to Jesus, but I would never let him talk to me back. Yeah. Um, and so didn't necessarily know, um, how to be in relationship with him. And then going to college, um, I very much was stagnant, quote unquote, stagnant in my faith life, mm. um, would go to mass as a Sunday obligation, but didn't have that prayer life, yeah. um, daily prayer life. And so yeah, it wasn't until I actually gave my yes to being a missionary um, that has taught me how to pray yeah. and um, how to, yeah, just go to the Lord in adoration and to be able to sit with him every day is yeah. a, a privilege and an honor. Yeah, so. that's amazing. No, I, um, there's, there's no plateaus on the mountain of God, you know, and it's just so funny how uh, until we give that, that full yes, um, everything kind of just seems like black and white. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, uh, I played college volleyball. Um, that's kind of why I went to college because it's kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. I mean, I loved volleyball. Um, it was definitely looking back. It was definitely my God. Um, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until that was stripped away yeah. that the Lord allowed me to, to see him. Cool. So that's great. Yeah. Where did you play volleyball? 
Um, I played at Hastings College in Nebraska. Nice. Mm-hmm. And that is in, let me guess, is that in, in Hastings? It's in Hastings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yep. Okay, so right grew The up Broncos. There. The Broncos, nice. yeah. Grew up there, stayed there for college, and my parents actually left me for college. I didn't leave them. Oh, wow. Is that when <laughs> so, they came here? To um, Omaha. Yeah, they left oh, okay. and went to Omaha. Okay, mm-hmm. right on. Yeah. So, okay, so you graduated, and then what happened? Yeah, so I graduated with a degree in education, actually, um, and was fully anticipating to uh, teach the next year. Yeah. Um, but then uh, back when I was a freshman, actually got involved with Focus Online mm. and um, was walking with a missionary um, online for three and a half years. And Whoa. it was during my senior year when she kind of placed it on my heart or um, gave me the invitation to apply mm. for staff. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So I applied, went to an interview weekend, and here I am. Wow. Now, the power of an year. invitation. Let's yeah. Go. Yeah. So thanks for sharing, Lou. Yeah, I know Tim, I don't know. I know, there's, I know there's a lot more to it, too. <laughs> yeah. It's um, all coming out on the table here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always laid bare. I think we would continue clockwise, correct? So for me, the beginning, I would say, Starts at St. James, actually. So also Cradle Catholic, grew up in Shawnee, Sacred Heart in Shawnee, K through eight. Then went to St. James uh, four years there. And I would say for me, the the beginning, you know, that I remember engaging in in my faith or saying yes to the Lord for the first time and really in any capacity um, was at St. James sophomore year. Um, it was 2011, I think. And that was a time for me of, of suffering. Um, much like Lucy had a, had a God of mine stripped away. Um, just experience, uh, went through a, a back injury and kind of lost all ability to kind of participate in sports. And, you know, for a high school athlete, for someone that, you know, everything is everything, you know, goes through sports mm-hmm. and, um, you know, my social circles and everything like that, when it's all stripped away, you're, I was left with, what, well, nothing. And so, uh, through a lot of that, um, during that time, made some new friends. And, um, one friend in particular, uh, I remember was just an amazing witness of, of faith, but also of joyful suffering. And when that, when that happened, I remember asking her, um, what do you have that I don't, because you suffer more than I do. Yeah. And you're going through, a great deal more than I am. And yet you're, you're happy and I'm miserable. Mm. So what's the deal? Um, and she just said, it's Jesus. That's, that's it. Amazing. And I said, uh, so what do I do? And she said, I want you to, it was a Friday, it was a Thursday, I think. And then on Friday at that time, at least at St. James, we had adoration and confession also available on Fridays. And so she said, well, tomorrow there's adoration, confession and mass go to all three. Mm. (laughs) And it just blew me away uh, that, I mean, and kind of thinking even now about it, like the Eucharist was the, the beginning uh, of all of this. Yeah. Like the Eucharist was the start, like go adore Jesus in the Eucharist. That's how you start. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's still kind of unknown to me, but at the time, but um, for me, it was a witness, a witness of friendship in right. the Eucharist. It seems like that that friend uh, gave you the secret to being well. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I couldn't do this on my own. So I'm going to tell you how I did it. And it's the Eucharist. Yeah. I didn't get fixed. Like I didn't, like it didn't, 
it my my like pain you know didn't yeah. didn't go away sort of this difficult back pain that I was sort of right experiencing at the time but um it did reframe everything in the context of 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 Jesus is lord of all of this yeah. and that means that everything's everything changes now yeah. it's all different so um the, that was the beginning at least let's go me. that's so good i mean the the invitation of a friend come on invitation of a friend yeah. mm-hmm. invitation Praise of God. a friend mm-hmm. maybe an invitation of a friend timbo yeah a little bit um it doesn't matter no I, pressure yeah if no i'm pressure. going back to the the origin like the other two did and i don't know if lucy even knows this but for me the I, I grew in relationship with the Eucharist through um, watching my parents mm. and um, my dad is a pipe organist uh, by I had no night. idea. Yes. Wow. And a, and a doctor physician by day, but his, his passion is, um, is the, is the pipe organ. And so as a, a family, we would go to mass and we would sit downstairs with our mom. Um, and then our dad would be playing the pipe organ and sometimes mom would even canter. But as, as a son, you're watching your father a lot. And, um, I would watch him come down from the choir loft, uh, before the communion hymn, and he would receive Jesus in the Eucharist and he received on the tongue, um, which doesn't particularly matter, but he, both are legal, both are in this land, totally legal. Yep. Uh, and, but I would just watch him and it was more so how he walked away from that encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist. It was so dignified uh, you know, with the holy hands and just an upright man going back to the organ um, and praising God through mm. music. And so I just watched that repeatedly um, and it realized like, I don't know how much this was affecting me. And that I came to realize that in my early years of seminary formation. Mm. Uh, so there's three stages, one that in the adolescence and in the teenage years of watching dad, and then in college through friendship, yeah. um, not necessarily through an invitation, but through the witness of friends. It must be more witness for me. Yeah. And I've told you this, yeah. but um, when you would come and receive Jesus in the Eucharist, just your glow uh, and your happiness to be there with him and there at Mass. and um, At St. Lawrence. At St. Lawrence. Rock yeah. chalk, rock chalk. That's so right. I graduated from the University of Kansas in 2016. Um, and Aaron was one year behind me in 2017. And Lee was also 2017. Uh, 2016, 2016. I graduated just a smidge early, but yeah, yeah, slept on this this guy's floor for a semester. So we had many days of watching yeah. one another um, and being in friendship, and it was through the through virtuous friendship, natural friendship, um, where I was like, I really, yeah, like my these these friends are great. Yeah, uh, they know what they're about. Um, and then so friendship just through in college days, and then finally. Uh, becoming a seminarian in 2016 and now being in it for seven years. Yeah. Uh, I tell people 23rd grade and <laughs> That's uh, wild. it is wild, but mm. it's, it's just what, how Jesus wants it to be, how yeah. the father wants it to be. And um, through now friendship with the saints, yeah. I think communion with the saints, just their witness to the Eucharist, their boldness, uh, yeah, their Eucharistic heart. Aaron, take me back. So what happened after you said you had this this great experience with our Lord in the Eucharist per the invitation of, are we talking about Kathleen? We got to give honor where honor's due. Is that right? Shout yep. out to Kathleen yep. Baldwin. You're awesome mm-hmm. if you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. So what happened after that invitation, after you got involved with um, adoration there at St. James? After that time, uh, that, was, that was the first time in my life that... Um, I gave, I started giving time to the Lord. 
uh, and he started giving so generously back to me. So um, that that just that helped me enter into a actually a friend group, a, like a, a just more deeper and deeper friendships. Like um, you know, after the fact, like it comes all of this comes from friendship, but it actually continues and deepens friendships. And yeah. so, um, you know, those, those people that I was walking with at that time, um, I'm still close to them today. I was over at one of their houses last night. Um, mm. just, Praise God. um, yeah, being able to, to walk this road together. And so, uh, after that, um, I, I went to KU, uh, after St. James and I mean, the St. Lawrence center was such a, such a home for me. And it, I think I learned a lot. I learned a lot in high school and college, and especially at KU about, um, how to be in friendship with, with my brothers. Mm. Um, yeah. and like it taught me, um, maybe even after the fact, like maybe, uh, maybe sort of like a remedial lesson, yeah. you know, how to be, how to be a friend, uh, an authentic friend, a true friend, um, sort of an overdue experience, but it did, it did happen there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that, that context, that community, uh, I would say is where a, a vocation started to, 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 to blossom, like where I could become aware of it. Yeah. Um, and in this context of a, of a, of a community of faith, um, where it's like, it's a, it's a safe place to discern your vocation. You know, you're mm-hmm. not alone. You're not, yeah. you're not isolated. Yep. Um, support yeah. more than anything. And yeah. Encouragement. To- yeah. For yeah sure. Encouragement for sure. So I, I think we're kind of touching on something we should go a little deeper in just this this idea of um, the like what true friendship is and like what um, what intimacy in friendship like truly entails and 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 even just like friendship with Christ because like there's nothing I mean it's just so beautiful we have the friendship of Christ and it's just so immediate in the Eucharist but just kind of to back up and just say okay what is it about this the spirituality of authentic Catholic friendship in Jesus. Like what is, yeah, feel free to speak into that. It sounds like a focused missionary's wheelhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, from personal experience, uh, to speak a little bit more into my relationship with the Lord. Um, it was actually at seek that I perceived him to, to say to me in adoration with 17,000 other college students, best friends. Yeah, all of my best friends um, <laughs> in 2019 in Indy, yeah. actually. Um, the the words, I thirst, mm. just kind of resonated in my heart. Yeah. Um, and it was just this like whisper and continued whisper yeah. um, throughout adoration. And actually, um, I think it's very beautiful that you guys had the experience of community in college. Um, my experience with community in college was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and didn't necessarily have that group of people to run with to Jesus. Mm. Um, and so I actually went to seek with my mom, um, shout out to my mom. Um, and so, yeah, I think during that experience, um, just hearing Jesus say, I thirst like over and over again. Um, I was just like, what do you mean, Lord? Like, I, I don't know what, I don't know what you mean. Um, and so, um, ultimately sitting with that, uh, he was just speaking directly to me and said, Lucy, I, I thirst for your friendship mm. and I thirst mm. for the friendship of those who do not know me. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of what ignited the fire for me to become a missionary yeah. um, and to enter more deeply into that intimacy with the Lord. So good. Will you permit me to share an academic 
uh, definition of friendship. I permit. <laughs> Do you permit other seminarian? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and if it's useful, take it. If it's not, leave it. But hey, we're here. when you're when you speak about that, sister, um, it just reminds me of the real sister. She's not a sister. She's his real sister. Come on, <laughs> sister in Come Christ, on. little sister, and sister, the little sister. Yeah, there's. It, we'd often talk about an anthropology and uh, um, the definition, working definition of friendship that I that I know and use for my thesis actually. Uh, is a habitual uh, reciprocal benevolence between a, sh- a party, right? And then you share in five things. It's a communication of goods, life, intellect, will, and secrets. And those five things come out when you're sharing that. That's four. Um, no, goods is the fifth. Oh, cool. So goods, got goods, it. Goods, goods, got life, it. intellect, will, right on, and right secrets. <laughs> I didn't hear goods, to be um, fair. I agree with Lee. And it, it was a weird transition. <laughs> but... So Jesus, when he was telling you that I thirst, he was communicating, I thirst to share in life with you. I thirst to accompany you. To sh-. And then ultimately in the Eucharist, which we will mm. see his very self, his good, him, his being, uh, his glorified body, and how rich that we get to do that with mm. our creator, uh, our king. So will, intellect, secrets, goods, and what's the last one? Sharing in life. Life, life. Yeah. So good. Accompaniment. Thank you. That enlightened me. You're welcome. Did yeah, I, don't, I don't know how to follow that up. Did it, did it enlighten you? <laughs> well, it enlightened me. I also know that you had to memorize that for an exam like five years ago. Yeah. And you still remember it. And it's pretty impressive. You could say it's a lens by which I see formation mm. at times. Yeah. Because formation I, is growing in friendship four with pillars, Christ. Friendship with Christ, of yeah. course. Um you have the the intellectual formation, the pastoral formation, the human formation, um, and the crushing it. Anyway, the intellectual <laughs> formation uh, is so important. And I actually, there's a professor, the same professor who taught me that definition, said the way he organizes uh, information that he takes in is like a imagine a closet, and you go to the closet, and there's the bar that you hang everything on, right? Every hanger, and his bar uh, is what is important to him. Yeah. Right. And so my bar would be friendship, that working definition. And just to hang things, um, on that, on that clothes hanger. Yeah. That's pretty uh, optimistic. The, the idea of like the, the, the castle of the mind, right. Is mm-hmm. that what he says? Just the, or no, the mind palace. Right. So Sherlock Holmes made this popular, but like, it's actually a Thomistic idea, like originating the storage of thoughts and ideas, the storage of your soul, the things that are within as if it, they were in a house. And some people's houses are much bigger. Mine's a tiny closet. <laughs> it's all about proper. It's all about proper ordering and knowing yes. you know, who who is in charge and and yeah. um, a proper yeah hierarchy of things that are important to you. And um, like I said earlier, like when you know that Jesus is the Lord of all, then everything everything pivots around that, yeah. and and you start to see the world differently. Yeah. Honestly. I kind of want to continue though, seeing, so if, if you went to seek and that's where you maybe experienced friendship with Christ, let's say you said it was an adoration. I, maybe where else have we experienced that yeah. uh, friendship with Christ in the Eucharist? Um, yeah. Moments. I remember just taking naps in the chapel at mm-hmm. St. Lawrence and how I, I, I took literally, you know, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, heavy burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Uh, and I, I took that quite literally. And I took a nap in, in the pew, like 
in pews in the chapel multiple times. It's a nice study break to not have to go back to the dorm necessarily mm-hmm. or whatever, um, to not have to go back to the entire other side of campus to go and sleep on your best friend's floor for a nap. You know, you could just go and nap with Jesus. Um, and just the, he's not afraid of that. He's not afraid of our humanity. Like he is not afraid of our the reality of yeah. human existence. Yeah. I mean, he took it all upon himself. For sure. Like he took naps. He took naps in the worst and strangest of places. Like in the middle of a storm. Granted, he was doing that in the context of scripture. He's doing it prophetically. He was at perfect rest in union with the Father. Um, despite external circumstances. Like, come on. He wasn't doing it just to prove a point. But he was doing it because he was friends with his dad. Mm. He was doing it because he was friends with those in the boat whom he was uh, traversing the Sea of Galilee with. He, he did that because of uh, a shared trust, a shared life, uh, a secret of life, just like mm. this. His secret of life love. was his father's will. Yeah. That was, and a, they were on the end. The yes. food that sustained him is to do the father's will. Yeah. And God his apostles forward, didn't readily see that. Yeah. You know, they did not. They were freaking out. They're like, dude, wake up. Wake up. Why are you talking to a Samaritan woman at the well? Yeah. This is problematic. Yeah. 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 He's like, we need to, like, I know you just fed all these people, but like, hey, we need to, you could, we just saw what you can do. Okay. Can you like figure this out for us? Cause yeah, that's like my life a lot of times. I remember, uh, I, I mean, I remember even at, in difficult times, uh, in college, uh, I would have the, uh, I would be locked in. So I, I would be locked in the chapel at St. Yeah. Lawrence. So like, you know, everyone's gone and I would, uh, you know, at times, uh, stay late. Um, and you know, just talk to the tabernacle, talk to Jesus in the tabernacle, yeah. um, out loud because I knew no one else was coming in. Right. Um, and I thought that was a little odd and to be fair, it probably is, but it, I remember telling my spiritual, weird. I remember telling my weird. spiritual director that at the time. And he just said like, you don't think Jesus can handle that? Mm. Like, mm. of course he can, you know, he can handle anything you throw at him. Yeah. So like, and, and it's like what you were saying earlier, like wanting to share in secrets and, and life and goods. Um, and those other two things yeah. that, uh, that you were talking about that I don't remember, but all of those things are what he wants to share with us. And that includes our misery and suffering. Yeah. Yeah. That includes, he want like, he want tell me about that. The tough tell secrets. me more about that. Right. He says to us, you know, and the, the power of the spoken word, um, not just the, the art form, but like actually just speaking words out into creation. Uh, we have power. We have unlimited power in Christ Jesus. And like when we speak things, they change reality. And he tells us this, like John 14, 12, like greater works will you do than these? Like, hello, speaking life to that which is around you. You're speaking truth to that which is around you, to yourself, unto yourself even, and unto the Lord changes everything that changes our changes our souls when you know that's how jesus chose to institute the sacraments like you know water and words i baptize you water Mm -hmm. and words you know it it turns us into a new creation yeah you know and that's that's the way that jesus chooses to to act in this world right yeah i just didn't thinking about how much trust that takes yeah um and how little of trust that we find in the world today sometimes mm. um, just in our fellow fellow men around us trust in ourselves am I good enough um, am I am I really loved um, mm. and 
Yeah. Just Jesus is a reminder that you are loved. You are seen and you are good. You know, we, we started this whole conversation back with Lucy said in the garden. Um, and he creates on the seventh, the sixth day, man, seventh day is rest. But he says, and he was very good mm-hmm. and man was very good. And just to believe that so we can take that attitude, that yeah. disposition of trust into the sacramental life. Can we believe in the, in baptism when we baptize a child that we are proud to profess this faith? This is right. our faith and we are proud to profess it. It's my favorite part of the baptism other than giving them, you know, sacramental life. Yeah. But just to have them say that with you, am I proud to profess that I received Jesus in the Eucharist? Am I proud to go to mass um, and to receive his life? Yeah. So that trust in Jesus and his words. Yeah. You know how actions speak louder than words sometimes, as they say? They do. That's dangerous. It is dangerous, but hey, listen to me. Like word, like words speak, you know, they volumes. speak. They, they yeah. Also, yeah. They do. So like Jesus <laughs> saying, it's okay. Jesus saying, greater love has no man than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then he does it. Yes. And then he does it. He speaks it. Mm. It is true. And acted out in eternity as well. Because every word of his is eternal. Like every word and every action of Christ is salvific. It it changes creation. Come on. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how he also uses things that are familiar to us. Yeah. So, um, you know, like water, you know, simple things that, that are bread and wine, like you won't find a more yeah. ordinary food right. and drink. Um, and he uses things that are familiar to us and that we, that we recognize, you know, um, I remember one of the, there have been times in seminary where I'll be, I'll be I've been sitting in class and yeah. I'll like, shake the guy next to me and say like, we have to tell someone about this because right. it's so incredible. And you know, the one for me I remember was when uh, one of our professors just said like, isn't it interesting that our fall came from eating, eating the fruit of a tree and our, we're restored by consuming the body of him who hung on a tree. Mm-hmm. It's like how fitting that is and how, yeah. how good the Lord is in his, uh, the way that he's arranged all of this. Yeah. These most fitting ways of, of our, of redeeming us. Mm. Yeah, the blood flowed from the apple, and so it flowed from us as a result. And how our blood was restored, our life was restored through the blood that was poured out on the new man. The The tree of life. Yeah. But we don't, it doesn't feel that way sometimes in mass, right? No. We're not. It doesn't always feel that way. Man, if we lived a life according to our feelings... I mean, I'd be in trouble. We'd be back in college. I mean, (laughs) we 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 were just telling everyone about how uplifting and wonderful our college experiences were. Right. Yes. Yes. Which doesn't negate always the struggle. That's right. um, Mm. The lack of formation. Yep. The the old man. We hopefully put on the new man, the mature man in Christ, the mature woman in Christ. Yep. Yeah. Like becoming... Like growing in the faith is just becoming more aware of the old man that is still within you and like being convicted of your own fallenness. Keeping it in the frontal lobe. My sin is always before me. Yeah. I know who I am <laughs> exactly. and I know where I want to go. Right. Exactly right. And I, I just heard the other day, it's not the other day, this was, I read this in Thomas Barton uh, before he fell off the deep end. Mm. And he said this, he said that the saints, when they look and reminisce and reflect on their sin, they actually rejoice. 
because the Lord's mercy is there. It's there currently. My, my sin's gone. It's gone. It's not a part of my life anymore. I am not defined by my shortcomings and failures. I am not defined by my sin. I am not defined by like my my just my past. Like mm-hmm. it does not define me. Who defines me? What defines You're me? Your son. My sonship in Christ Jesus. Your Let's brother. go. Let's go. Son, husband. Come on. Father. Brother. brother. Hmm. Yes. You're making me want to flip this table. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go tell somebody. Let's go tell somebody. Yeah. We are telling people. We yeah. are. Please listen. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. that's like, it seems like the life of a missionary is, you know, reminding people that they're not defined by their sin. Amen. You know? Yeah. Yeah, truly. Um, I think in my first year of mission, um, there was this um, spirit of wanting to fix people Yeah. Um, from there. their sin. And yeah, this gentle invitation from the Lord to just love them. Um, I heard, I heard that somebody already did that. Yeah. Yeah. His name's Yahweh Rapha. <laughs> Lord the healer. Come on. We can also people. take that from the Eucharistic life though. Yeah. yeah. You know, Jesus is so humble in the species of bread. Um and now he's substantially himself in that piece of bread. And he comes to us so gentle and so kind. Um and these are words that we hear from our spiritual mentors. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I hear Sister Miriam's voice in my ears right now as mm-hmm. we're as we're podcasting, and how Jesus is gentle, and He's never going to, He's never going to violate your your personal space, your agency. We yeah. need to invite Him, just like we experience invitations from our friends. Invite mm-hmm. Him in um, to be tender with us, to yeah. to love us, to be kind, to be who He wants to be. Yeah, you know how the there's that phrase about like taking. If you give a, what, what is it? You give a man an inch, he'll take a mile or what? I forget what the, the phrase is, but the term, the turn of phrase, if you give the devil an inch, he takes a hundred miles. But the Lord, if you give the Lord an inch, he takes an inch. Like he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He's not going to bust down and break down these walls until we give him permission. Cause he will. Cause we know that reckless love teaches us. So that's a, that's a joke. Well, he doesn't want to like go against our nature like he created us he knows us so perfectly because he he created us and is constantly holding us in 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 existence so there's you know his familiarity with who we are and the way that we work um you know i I heard it said once uh be careful when you invite the lord in you know that's a dangerous prayer because uh things have to change when when Mm -hmm. the lord comes in but he doesn't do it in a way that you know we get run over by a freight train or something yeah um he does it slowly and steadily. That's the way that God works. Yeah. Slow, slowly and steadily. But there are moments, you know, when yes. we are blown away by something. Yeah. Um, experience at seek, you know, mm-hmm. these you especially Eucharistic moments, uh, when it's almost shocking or yeah. Um yeah, we're when we're blown away mm-hmm. by something. So um I think that uh when we're invited into this intimacy and continued pursuit of the Lord. Um, something that I encounter at my college campus is students going to the Eucharist, but feeling as though that they have to produce, they have to be productive in their prayer. Um, Is there a good word or um, some encouragement for those students to be able to just be, the invitation to just be um, with the Lord in the Eucharist? Yeah. Come away a while and rest. Mm. And then they get bombarded by all these people who need healings. 
And they take, yeah. they take being bombarded by the world into that hour of prayer by the, the media they have on their phones. They, you know, the, the sporting event that they just watched or, um, whatever those commercials that they saw on the television and they take all that in there. And so to come away and rest is difficult. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, you got to reach the silence, the yeah. silence of, of, you know, a great image of that is, is to have your heartbeat in sync with the sacred heart of Jesus's heartbeat. And that takes so much. That's sort of mystical. Rest. Keep going though. Yeah. Just this invitation, Lord, make my heart like unto thine. Mm-hmm. Well, that, if that's literal, then make my heartbeat like unto thine. Help me, you yeah. know, understand your heartbeat. Yeah. And mine right now is clogged by uh, the, the pollution of the world. And I want to rid myself of this pollution. And so you need to help me. Um, and that's it. Stop right there. And then just yeah. like, and just start pounding the word of God. You know, yeah. it's like, if you want a word, it's in the word of God. It's in yeah. the Bible. You know, we venerate the Eucharist like we venerate the word of God. What are the that's two catechism. things? What are the two things that touch the altar? The book of the gospels and Jesus's word yep. and his body and mm-hmm. blood. Come on. Yeah. So we venerate the word of God. Amen. And if you're dry Amen. with the word of God, go to that well and, and read and read and listen to it in the mass. I mean, the mass gives it to us. Yeah. Mm. But reading every day in a gospel every day. True. Sacred heart is a human heart. It's a beating heart. It's a real heart. It's in a place right now. Uh, and there is, yeah. uh, like, as we said earlier, you know, he's fully God and fully man. And so, uh, you know, in any human relationship, we don't, you know, we can't be productive right away. We are all called to bear you know, to bear fruit yeah. mm-hmm. uh, in our lives and in, in, in the in the Christian life. But it's too much to demand that of yourself right away. You know, after right. maybe after you have an experience on a retreat or something and yep. you maybe you're coming back to the Lord for the first time, you can't demand that much of yourself to, yeah. to bear fruit, you know? Yeah. Uh, all these, you know, you could follow any of these metaphors out, but, you know, it yeah. takes time, you know, and it, parable of the sower. And it takes time of, of toil, Toiling in the soil. It's not like, all right, now I'm going to go bear fruit and yeah. fruit today. You know, like the, there, there are exemptions, but just like we have to be okay with the littleness of getting dirty and sweating and grinding and like putting in, you know, hours day in, day out, seemingly mundane moments. But the Lord transforms us in that when we do it in faith. Yeah. Mm. Does that help, Lou? Yeah, I love it. No, it's good. Oh, you're looking for advice? No, I, she, the, I can she speak asked into the it. question. She did? Of, yeah, said, what did she tell her college students oh, yeah. who oh. think they have to be productive right away? And it's just like, I think it's, the word is peace. Like, mm. yeah. Patience, peace. you know, St. Teresa, mm-hmm. it's like, if you have God, you have everything. Patient, yeah. Patience obtains everything. And you don't have to, um, you don't have to demand something of yourself that maybe God's not even demanding of you. Right. Yeah. Like, don't, don't put greater demands on yourself than he is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I love what Jesus says about uh, faith and mountains and such. He says, uh, <laughs> you, you don't need a lot of faith. I think this might apply, so I'm just going to yeah, counsel if I could. Um, I would submit to you that Jesus, he, he's not talking about uh, quantity of faith as if it's like, uh, you know, how massive of a granary or a giant sack of seed or something are we talking about here? Because he talks about the mustard seed. And it's yeah. small, very small. But I think... Jesus was, was um, talking just to get to the heart of the matter, like talking about purity of faith too. Mm-hmm. Like what is your faith implying about your walk 
mm. right now? Like yeah. is, are you talking about um, desiring fruit to what end and for, for what uh, purpose? Like fruitfulness, desire, zeal. Like I, I, zeal is so cheap. It's really easy mm-hmm. to be zealous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you can fake it. Oh yeah, you can, you can fake it. Like that, I mean, zeal in general, like even in the world and in the church is cheap. Mm. What's, what's expensive is love. What's expensive is pure faith. And that is what we're called to have. And we just have to reflect, like, I mean, just ask these questions of like, um, do I believe? And to what end do I want this? You know, what do you want really? Like you want to bear fruit, great, but what does that mean and look like for you in your daily life? Right, the intention. Yeah. Yeah. And then the supernatural zeal will come and we need that in the church so much. Yes, we do. So much. That's the the faith of the apostles after Pentecost. Yeah. That changed. That's why we're sitting here today doing this. Right. But before Pentecost, it was just fear, fear, cheap, cheap zeal. Yeah. Yeah. True zeal is motivated by the Holy Spirit and is, you know, motive is governed by prudence and and justice and, and, you know, all of the moral virtues. So it's not like we can, um, you know, I think of myself as a high school student. Uh, There was one point, uh, I don't remember where where on the timeline this was, but I was really excited about, you know, apologetics and apologetics are very important. Um, but I was, you know, thinking like, we're going to convert the world based on these, you know, philosophical arguments and stuff. And Mm -hmm. those are all very important. And I still, uh, you know, am very motivated and moved by those things, but it was an improper ordering because, you know, I was really interested in arguing with people, but had little interest in loving my neighbor as myself. Yeah. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's a little out of of order there. So, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. How many of our sins? Thank you. Tremendously. (laughs) Thank you love well. Thank you for saying that. You're mm-hmm. welcome. I agree. Yeah, how many of our sins are really just disordered, not disordered loves, but um, not properly, um, what's the word? Balanced loves. Like we love things to an excess and we love things to the point of neglect. And yeah, just properly ordering those and, and making sure that those are balanced is difficult. And that's, uh, again, mm-hmm. part of being formed is like you learn to do that over time uh, as you interact with the world and like walk with the Lord. So, Tim, you talked about the communion of saints like being important to you in your faith walk. Um, what does that uh, look like for you right now? Um, Philip, well, I don't want I don't want to hijack the conversation. Okay, great. So but, but, Romans but, but, 14. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for me, and, and Lucy knows this, but I've been working through the, the diary and Aaron too. St. Faustina. The diary of St. Faustina, yeah. Divine Mercy in My Soul. And um, in reading her diary, you see the friendship with Christ jumps off every page. Yeah. Um, and she was immediately just a, a, a sister. In fact, this is a little, um, maybe a little personal, but when I started reading the journal, I was seeing me picking up that journal as going on dates with Faustina. And Dude, I don't know, you she, dog. maybe she wouldn't <laughs> receive that. Maybe that's too much. And, um, but I would just take a little, Thing of that's hilarious limoncello and i'd go sit on the couch and read faustina <laughs> and i just kept reading and reading and reading and then slowly so from from dates it turned into uh, a sister a sister that um is there and that speaks about jesus in the way that i w- want to speak about jesus mm-hmm. and, yeah. and i maybe was prepped for that because lucy and i have had that those moments um right. sister maggie and, and lauren um so that's, that's that. And then one, you're right, Aaron, you said St. Philip Neri. And, um, I, there's so many, uh, stories with that saint, Yeah. but it'd be, it'd make this too, 
too long. No, that's okay. It's okay. We got time. But one, one I will share. Lay it on. When I was in Rome this last uh, October for the first time, I went to go visit St. Philip Neri, and he was his tomb is in this church that he helped build, and he's buried there, and he's got this. He's in silver, the Mm -hmm. silver coating, and he's got his little red slippers on because he'd wear red slippers around. Actually, he denied the Cardinals hat. Oh, but he wore the slippers. But he wore red slippers because it was what <laughs> was given to him. Okay. Um, and just a, that sure, kind of guy. Sure. But he helped with, with the uh, orphan children in Rome. Mm. Anyway, what what struck me is that when I was visiting him, I went and I walked through the altar rail gate. I let myself go and kneel right by Saint Philip Neri, and then I let myself back out and was just sitting in the chapel. And this mother walked into this chapel with bags on both arms up to her shoulders mm. and her two little girls behind her like ducklings mm. and they go down and they kneel where I had just broken into in that gate and they just kneel down and the mom says ciao Filippo and the little girls go ciao Filippo oh, ciao Filippo and that made my heart just rejoice because here's my saint speaking to me in this moment yeah. um, in God's providence that he is who he was, and that was a, a helper of the children of Rome right. um, to find a place to pray and sing and love. It's amazing what happens when you stop caring about what other people think. Amazing. It's really cool, and it's a continual process. It's not like we're ever going to be fully there, you know, this side of the veil. But when you stop caring about what other people literally think, like not only do you become the coolest person in the room, the most interesting man in the room, mm. in the world. No, you become a saint. Yes. You become a saint because Philip you ch- did that perfectly. You lived yeah. through grace. He was a total, God's goof, grace. total goofball. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, wasn't he, wasn't he quite the jokester too? Or am I thinking of somebody else? No, that was him. Yeah. Was he's, him. he, they were like dad jokes. Yeah. He was, he would hang out with Francis Xavier, right? And he would like flip their caps off in the middle of the street. And I don't stuff. know about hang out with him. He actually wanted to be part of Francis Xavier's. So that's maybe Ignatius of Loyola's right. missionary crew to the end. Maybe that's why he was yeah. playing games. He was him. rejected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking about how, um, like our mission is to truly just, um, it's not our job to convict hearts. That's, that's the Lord's job. That's the Holy spirit who convicts hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, but we are, we are called to be faithful. And when we are faithful, like we bring the kingdom of God here, like it is made manifest in this land, in this, in this place, wherever you go, like you're, you're a kingdom bringer. Yeah. Like, because you have the King residing inside of you. I think now would be a great time to transition into the second part of our conversation today about this wrapping out this amazing document from a saint of the church, St. John Paul II, St. John Paul the Great. Um, so we're going to be wrapping up this final section of the document Ecclesia de Eucharistia. Uh, John Paul, he wrote this to renew Eucharistic fervor in the, and fervor in the church. He wants to get people hyped up for Jesus in the Eucharist and to just dis- rediscover our our deepest identity as church, as just being a church of the Eucharist, um, the the church flowing from the Eucharist. So the conclusion of our document is paragraphs 59 through 62. So it's short and sweet. I think it's 62. Anyway, but yeah, just all the uh, leaders of the church, all the popes from many years past, pretty much all of them, every time they end a document, they um, they always throw it up to Mary. They always just say, Mary is the capstone to this, uh, the, the crown jewel of creation and uh, everything kind of just being graced um, through, inter- through her intercession, basically. So if you're following along with us, we're going to wrap up this final section, 59 through 62, and 
uh, just a word of encouragement that we want you guys following along with us. So like get a small group together. Maybe you already have a small group and you're wondering what's the next thing that we should do. Um, follow along with us uh, as we go through the these documents over the next year. Uh, we want to journey with you and not, um, mm-hmm. you know, do this on our own. We would, we don't want you to do it on your own, but we want to really want it to be a, a tag team kind of journey because these types of documents are so rich and beautiful and they have so much for us to know and inform our intellect, but to inform our soul as well. Yes. And they can be so intimidating at yep. face value. So right. we just want to crack it open and, and go piece by piece and make it just that much more approachable and um, easy to access for uh, everybody, no matter where you're at. Never church. fear. Yep. Never fear. So, um, yeah, gentlemen, without further ado, gentlemen and Lucy, I'm so sorry, Lucy. That's okay. People in this room. The feminine genius. <laughs> the She's feminist. just been sitting there, receptive. Just It's been wonderful. Marion. She's been so Marion. Teaching us. Teaching us. Um, so, yeah, what are your gold nuggets? What stuck out to you from this section? Yeah, lean uh, in. Because you, you spoke about... Um, well, you asked, and it's all grace, right? It's this is just free gift. This this relationship with Philip Neri, this relationship with Saint Faustina is a, is a free gift given. That's uh, up to us to discover it. But um, and it might not be the document, but morning prayer this morning um, was about this free gift of God, mm. um, and yeah, Mary's. We're we're covering this section on on Mary in the the document that you guys started last. Um, podcast with oh uh, well yeah so i mean they if you're listening to this right now we're t- we're referring to the first episode of uh this document on ecclesia de eucharistia mm-hmm. so that's what tim's referencing and the in the final section is on the school of mary mm-hmm. um and just her her life of grace it was she is the immaculate conception she is um graced she is a graced being and she receives Jesus into her womb um, through this fiat. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I just, that was, it just seemed like this notion of free gift is something we could touch on. Let's go. And um, expound upon because, because personally, why maybe we're transitioning now is that sometimes I think that we as Catholics and seminarians, first and foremost, um, can just have this attitude of going to mass because it's part of the rule of life. Yeah. Right. And we're just going to mass. We're, we're doing mass. And then we go and we check the box of receiving Jesus in the Eucharist. Right. But how can we transition from this doing because it's part of the rule of life to this is actually where I receive everything. Like this is the lens by which I see my day. Yeah. It's the lens by which I see life is this Eucharistic lens of gift, um, of, of Thanksgiving, of, um, how can we turn the mass into a Thanksgiving rather than I'm just doing it and being here? Because the, fr- the last thing we want to do as Catholics is leave mass and just, you know, have a long face and just go right back into our work world. Um, and that was the that was the small pill that gave us enough life for the next four hours of our work day. Sure. Right. Yeah. Preach anyway. it. Preach it. I don't I don't want to preach it. Come on, Deacon. Preach it. Let's go. <laughs> I like what you said about um, Mary as it as. As, as if you said it, John Paul II said it, and then you quoted him, uh, we're at the school of Mary. <laughs> we're in the school of Mary, yeah. the woman of the Eucharist, um, and how learning from her as our teacher, our mother, um, there's, there's so much uh, to learn from her. And for me, uh, the thing that I uh, have 
come back to is um, the mystery of the visitation. Uh, I had a, mm-hmm. a priest actually at this year's seek, I was talking with him and he mm-hmm. said, uh, you should pray the mystery of the visitation and imagine yourself standing next to Elizabeth uh, yeah. because one word from Mary, the, the greeting of Mary reaches her ears and everything changes. He said one word from Mary changes everything. And I mean, and her word continually over and over is fiat through her whole life. Um, and so we can learn from her in this, in this school, spending time with her, especially, you know, praying the rosary, but, um, yeah, allowing her to be and inviting her into our, our hearts at mass, especially, um, because she is present in every mass along with the entire communion of saints. Yep. Um, and communion were brought into a tremendous, we're brought into deep communion with St. Philip Neri and St. Faustina mm-hmm. and all of our respective yeah. saints. Jose Maria Scriba. Yeah. All of them. Everybody. So for me, sort of meta, if you will. All right. But in paragraph 59, uh, he quotes St. Thomas Aquinas. Later on, he, uh, at the very end, he references again St. Thomas Aquinas as eminent theologian and impassioned poet of Christ. And I think sometimes we can hear the words St. Thomas Aquinas and then think, those are for the nerd Catholics. Yeah, nerd alert. We don't have to, we don't have to worry about that. I'm not into that. Um, But St. Thomas Aquinas not only writes the Summa that can be scary to open sometimes, um, but he also wrote that those hymns that we sing at every, well, not every, but at lots of the um, times of adoration that we that we experienced Tantum Ergo. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And, you know, he talk about properly ordering everything. Um, you know, he, there's a reason that he was asked to write these poems about the Lord in the Eucharist. There's a reason that he was the one to, um, that the Pope requested write the office for Corpus Christi. Um, you know, this is a man that right. was deeply, deeply in love with the Eucharist and, um, really he wrote so much about it, but at the end words failed him. Yeah. Um, because, because of this great mystery because yeah. of, of, of the Eucharist. So I, I love what you're, you're touching on because, um, so, uh, Pope Urban the fourth. Yes. Don't we all love Pope Urban the fourth? Just such a buddy. He's been my guy. <laughs> a long tell me, time. tell me about your buddy. No. So Pope Urban the, Urban the fourth back in 1264. Okay. He, he writes to St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure together. He says, I want you both together to write Eucharistic hymns for Corpus Christi, right? And so they get there, and Thomas, you know, draws the, the short straw and has to, you know, present his first. And as he finishes presenting them, St. Bonaventure, like everybody looks at him, and he just starts tearing his, his copies up what he wrote down, everything that he wrote down in preparation for this, he just starts tearing them up in the presence of all these people mm. because of the, just the, the majesty of these, these songs, these poems that St. Thomas Aquinas wrote to our Lord. Pange lingua gloriosi, aviverum. Yeah. Adoro te devote. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. How's it go, Tim? No. Okay. You can look it up <laughs> on YouTube. It's called Adoro te devote or English version, Godhead here in hiding. That's a banger from the 13th century, folks. <laughs> That's right. You, you better believe it. You can't say that. I sure can. I just did, and I'm not going to retract it. Come on, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> um, in paragraph 60, 60, 
Um, I'm just going to read it really Please, fast. Please, go for because, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so rich. Every commitment to holiness, every activity aimed at carrying out the church's mission, every work of pastoral planning must draw the strength it needs from the Eucharistic mystery mm. and in turn be directed to that mystery as its culmination. Mm. In the Eucharist, we have Jesus. Come on. We have his redemptive sacrifice. Amen. We have his resurrection. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have adoration, obedience, and the love of the Father. Amen. Were we to disregard the Eucharist, how could we overcome our own deficiency? And I could just mic drop there because... I think I've just become so numb to the fact that we do have Jesus. Ya lo tenemos. Come on. We already have him. <laughs> we already have him. Um, and to recognize that that is a gift every single day yeah. that I get to receive him every day in the Eucharist. So Yeah, he's in a tabernacle near you or the monstrance near you. <laughs> you know, so go go seek him out. Yeah. If you've received him at all. He's, he's tabernacling in your heart as we speak, as you're listening Amen. to this, but in a special way as well, also in the tabernacle. You, you know you. what strikes me about that mic drop comment? What does Is that our fulfillment resides there. Hmm. And in a world that's seeking to be fulfilled and in so many different ways, it's like, don't turn, don't turn farther than the church. Hmm. You know, it's like, I can rest in being loved totally and being fulfilled totally. Um, even if it doesn't look like back to Faustina, she says she's the pitiable of all servants. She was named the dearest secretary of God's divine mercy. And he would say that Jesus would say my dearest secretary of Mm. my mercy, but she would consider herself the most wretched sinner. And Mm. how, why, like, how does that work? Because she's so close in relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Um, that he gives her her fulfillment. And that's what I want. Yeah. We're, we're sitting here in my, in my living room and we're looking. So look at over here. We got a beautiful little golden doodle poodle thing over there. Her name's Birdie, but she's marked up and tainted. Yeah. I think we need these a picture windows. of that door. <laughs> Just like these windows over here are covered and nasty. And the closer we get to the Lord's light, the more clearly we can see that which is on our own window, window pane mm. of our soul. And that's John of the Cross. That's not Lee. Don't worry. That's not me being lofty. That's John of the Cross. Um, yeah. I mean, thanks for drawing it out of the document for us. Because it is. Amen. That's where everything, that's where every gift resides. Every good gift. Yeah. Source and summit. I mean, that's all, that's what he's, he's speaking source and summit language just in a different way where we draw, we draw the strength we need from the Eucharist and in turn direct to that mystery, to the Eucharist as our culmination. I mean, it's, it's source and summit again from Pope St. John Paul. Yep. Yeah. And somewhere in there, I don't know what paragraph, but in the document, he says, real Christian living passes through the Eucharist. And how many brothers and sisters of ours that we love so dearly, we can run for only so long. Yeah. And then it's like, I need to consume the one who actually is the reason for Christian living. It's Christ. Yeah, himself. I was reflecting on how, yeah, church, ecclesia, those, the aliens, like, like that's what it means. It's like those who have been called out of and who are sojourners. What is it? What makes a sojourner? Someone who's in a foreign land. Mm-hmm. And that's what the church is. Like when we say church, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about unity 
in like being foreign and different and weird. Like we don't belong here. Like we're not meant for this place. We're not, this is not our final home. Come on, come on, Deacon. Come on, we are not, this is not the end all be all right here. No, sir. And like the more that we're in union with him who has sent us like through his mission, we're all sharing in the same mission of Christ. Um, Once we realize that we've got one, if you're just now realizing it, welcome to the mission. Like we are, (laughs) and that's just what he's talking about here in this, this last section is that the, the, the commitment to holiness, the commitment to the activity of the church is is mission. It is it is pastoral and it draws its strength from the Eucharist. And like that's what I just get fired up thinking about the Eucharist because I can't not receive him without also having that desire to go out. Urgency. Yeah. yeah. And thank you for your urgency. Because I've always seen it in you. We're sitting here <laughs> in your living room because you you have urgency. Yeah. You reached out and you put this together. Um, and that is a great gift for this Archdiocese of Kansas City and Kansas. And I, and I hope the listeners experience that. I hope they reap the benefit of your gift of urgency mm-hmm. and take that into their own lives, into your parish, because that's what this Eucharistic Revival year in this podcast, the, the new manna podcast is supposed to do. It's supposed to anoint those in the pews because we're going to take the Eucharistic Revival from uh, where it was last year. It was at the uh, national level, the national or level, or when this comes out, it's going to no, be pretty close. Yeah, to it. it yeah. was at the it was at the yeah personal level in the living rooms in our homes, but now it's at the parish level. Right, and the listeners, I hope you feel anointed. I hope you feel like you are empowered to go out to to be um, God's disciple in the world today, uh, in a world that so needs uh, His love, His tenderness, His mercy, and and you will receive that in the Eucharist. Yeah. I think this document is actually, correct me if I'm wrong, Lee, I believe this document is where the term Eucharistic amazement was coined. Hmm. Uh, I think it's in Ecclesia it's, de Eucharistia. Yeah, it it's not? right in the beginning. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's, that's, that was the, the, the hope uh, of, of, of this Eucharistic revival initiative from right. our bishops to rekindle Eucharistic amazement, it's something yep. Archbishop Nauman has talked about. Um, exactly. And... John Paul is is doing that for me uh, in the, even just reading this this last section. But um, we can kindle that that amazement um, even from being on this podcast, you right. know, from being you know one of many uh, tremendous guests you have. But at the same time, to to call you know to to call that forth from right and to let Jesus do that uh, in our archdiocese. Yeah, you know? yeah. This this amazement is worthless if we don't do something about it too. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worthless. So, so be amazed, get amazed and get after it. One of the things that I have just been amazed by, uh, you know, Eucharistically and I took, I, so I got to take an entire semester's worth of coursework on the Eucharist uh, last fall from Dr. Lawrence Feingold. And I got to just sort of, yeah, enjoy hearing, you know, basically having my Eucharistic amazement kindled, uh, every other day, uh, during the school week. Yeah. And one of the things that um, just really hit me was this uh, notion of of sacrifice and communion. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of time we, and rightly so, we focus on, um, you know, the Eucharist. It, John Paul talks about it as a, you know, threefold mystery of presence, sacrifice, and communion. And so the Eucharist is, you know, God's, the presence of Christ substantially mm. um, under the species of bread and wine. But 
it's also a sacrifice and it's also a communal meal. And sometimes you hear, you might hear that as a, a sort of like a divergent thing, you know, like in this time in the church's past, we hear about the, you know, it's sacrifice, it's a sacrifice. And in this other way, we, you know, might hear, you might hear like, we focus more on communion and how it brings us together. But right. there's actually a, like how it's a meal. And, but there's actually a, just a beautiful synthesis that I got to receive from, uh, from our, from our coursework this year and that it's sacrificial banquet, mm. sacrificial banquet. So you look at the old Testament and you read, you know, Leviticus, uh, and it talks about these and Deuteronomy it talks about these sacrifices. It talks about these sacrifices that the, you know, ancient Israelites are doing and they, you know, they, it talks about how the priest lays hands on it and, you know, uh, yep. kills the animal, yep. offers it as a, as a oblation. Yeah. But then they consume the victim. So they, 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 they pass out pieces of meat to yeah. the, to the Israelites. And yeah. so there's just this, uh, like it's a communal meal and it brings you and I together right. and it brings us together in two, in two ways. And mm. Dr. Feingold described it as vertical and horizontal. I'm, I'm communing with God, but I'm never more united with you yeah. than when we're receiving the Eucharist That's together. That's a good word. Yeah. Bring brought together through this sacrificial banquet, not just like present together, but receiving the same thing. Right. He who is, right. was, and is to come. Yeah. And I love that That's super, um, not just for the gifts too, but for if you, if you know anybody who's about to get confirmed or like the, the sacrament of confirmation, like jump into Leviticus because it's all over the place. This whole laying on of the hands for the sake of sacrifice. Like that's what, um, but just this idea of hands being laid upon you for the sake of sacrifice. And that's what happens at confirmation. You get marked, you get chrismated at confirmation again, just like you were at, at your baptism, but for the sake of to build um, up the kingdom. Build up the kingdom of God. That's exactly right. First Corinthians 14. What are the what's the point of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? For the upbuilding, the encouragement, and the consolation of the body of Christ. Let's go. That's the point. That's our mission. But just this idea of like this, you can't you can't separate the two. They're, they're the same thing. The the union that we experience in Christ in the Eucharist is is just inextricably bound up with this idea of who we are outside of the parish walls. Yeah. Lucy, I'm, Lucy, I'm curious, do you have any stories about like being on mission, you know, from these past years right. and, and like the Eucharist playing, like you, you, you have like a front row seat to yeah. these, to these people's. Yeah. I get to, to just watch folks, the, right? the Lord work. Yeah. That's so cool. And, and like, seeing someone, you know, fall in love with the Eucharist in front of you or, you know, the, maybe a, uh, a hesitant person sure. start to come alive. Like, can yeah. you, do you have any um, glory stories or anything like that you can think mm -hmm. of yeah. off the top of your head? Souls you've won. Stuff we like didn't that. prepare for this. <laughs> <laughs> off the cuff. Um, yeah, I think uh, for a particular student, um, she was drawn to this place of poverty. Um, and it was when things were stripped away from her that she was actually able to recognize who and what she was made for. Yeah. Um, and I think that, again, it was the simple invitation to um, 
draw her to the Lord and continue to invite her um, to different events and um, just like to be in friendship with her. And that's what we're called to with Jesus as well. So um, I think in particular, it's this place of experiencing our our poverty and where we are poor and our our weakness that Jesus draws us or he he comes to us in those places and and wants to meet us in those places I was uh actually just had the um this is a fun fact for you Lucy I I'm ready for it I interviewed Father Bob Conroy he's the vicar general for the missionary of charities fathers there's actually five branches underneath the uh the order if you will that Mother Teresa uh, founded the Missionaries of Charity. Beautiful. Kansas native, I believe. Yeah, from, uh, I think originally from Minnesota, but he lived all over the U.S. He lived in Topeka for a long time. Maybe not native. Or, it's okay. No, he definitely is familiar with our lands, our Kansan flatness. Um, <laughs> he lived in Texas too, whatever. But um, him just uh, encountering him mm. and how he he's somebody who lives with the the destitute, yeah, with the poor. Yep with those who truly don't have much of anything, if anything at all. And it's like, I I felt the presence of Christ through him just because of how much um, how, how much lowliness it takes to, to live there and to, to, to encounter Christ in those who don't have yeah. and to, uh, with those who, who lack. And it's just like, like you said, um, Christ dwells in our poverty. Yeah. And when we're able to recognize that in one another in a way that, um, doesn't leave anything wanting, but in a way that draws us deeper and closer together because we can actually be that which, what we need for one, like for one another. So I don't know. I just think that was really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's amazing how um, materially we can be very rich um, yeah. in today's age and think that we have everything yeah. figured out all together. Um, but to recognize that actually there's a lot of spiritual poverty that is yeah. happening within our hearts, but yeah. to be able to have the ears to hear and the eyes to see that. For sure. And we, we learn that from Jesus, especially uh, or in his, in the divine condescension and saying, in him yeah. saying, in, in becoming man and becoming an embryo and becoming, yeah, you know, a teenager, uh, the God, God from, from all eternity, the mm-hmm. eternal word spoken forth by the father becomes a man and then he also becomes bread and wine, which are even more impoverished. <laughs> you know, right. they're the, like I said earlier, the most ordinary form of food, almost, uh, you yeah, know, in every bread, age, sure. right? Absolutely. Like bread, right? And we learn that uh, from Jesus. There's a there's an amazing uh, painting in uh, at my seminary in St. Louis where uh, there's is it's an image of St. Louis the King, um, and he's, you know very regaled in all of his, you know, glory. Um, and he's throw, he's, he's, he's kneeling before an altar with the crown of thorns on it. And, uh, because you know, the French obtained the crown of thorns Yeah, and he's throwing down his crown. He's in the act of like casting his crown on the ground in front of the crown of thorns faced with the, the mystery of that. And so, um, but in the same way, like, you know, could there be a, ever be a poorer crown than, you know, a, a, a wreath of thorns, right? That's, right. you know, but, but it's actually the greatest, mm-hmm. greatest of all crowns. And this likewise, you know, it's, could there ever be, you know, more ordinary food than bread, but no, it's actually the greatest gift imaginable. Yeah. This mm-hmm. side of heaven. He takes the smallest things that we are so commonly affiliated with and when crushed 
and mixed with water and a little dab of yeast if you're about that life. Gluten people, where you at? And then just, what does it become? It becomes him. Yeah, the same thing. Like, And what makes bread bread and wine wine is it, they come from these thousands of grains of wheat, thousands of, of grapes, mm-hmm. and they have to be crushed to become glorified, what they are. I was just reflecting on how you said earlier, maybe this is from the document, maybe it's not, but like Elizabeth, the son or the daughter of God, Eli, Beth, right? Beth means, is that right? Or is it the house? Beth. Bethel means house of God, right? No. You're thinking of Bethlehem means house of bread. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I got to look this up. House of the Lord. Actually, it does reference Elizabeth, paragraph 55. Um, Let me read this. Go for it. Let me read paragraph 55 here, or at least the second half of it. Um, It's about Mary, but it does reference Elizabeth. Blessed is she who believed from Luke chapter 1, verse 45. Mary also anticipated in the mystery of the incarnation the church's Eucharistic faith. When, at the visitation, she bore in her womb the word made flesh, she became in some way a tabernacle, the first tabernacle in history, in which the Son of God, still invisible to our human gaze, allowed himself to be adored by Elizabeth, radiating his light, as it were, through the eyes and the voice of Mary. And it is not, is not the enraptured gaze of Mary as she contemplated the face of the newborn Christ and cradled him in her arms that that unparalleled model of love which should inspire us every time we receive Eucharistic communion. So Christ being adored, <laughs> that's amazing, right? We call Mary the Ark of the New Covenant or a, right. a, a living tabernacle. And that's what we all are, right? When we receive the Eucharist, uh, living tabernacles, but Mary in a most singular way yeah, as she has the uh, incarnate, enfleshed Son of God within her womb, but allows Jesus allows himself to be adored in this living tabernacle yeah. by his cousin Elizabeth yeah. and her son, John the Baptist. I, I was just thinking how meta it was for Mary. What was the word that she spoke? Could have been cousin, mm-hmm. could have been, I don't know, sister. I don't understand the Aramaic language. I'm just saying, I don't know. But... Maybe it was Elizabeth. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like she called to Elizabeth, Elizabeth meaning the God of the oath, God of plenty. And she called to her that which she was. Like, like <laughs> embodying, like she called to Elizabeth, Elizabeth, God of the oath, God of plenty. Like, and she had the God of plenty, the God of the oath within her and that she was bringing mm. Jesus to her and it's just so it's just uh there's so many layers it breaks to, my brain so many layers <laughs> to all of this you know yeah. i see the same thing on you know yeshua yahweh saves and you know the in the the irony of pontius pilate's sign jesus yeah. the king of the jews this ironic kind of twist where right. he says yeshua yahweh saves the king of the jews it was a label. Yeah. It saw it it was an it, it said exactly what was happening. Yeah. By writing his name on that sign above yeah. his head. Yeah, I just see the uh, paragraph 62 is probably what got me the most just the school of the saints and how she is the chief mother, the head master, the head mistress or whatever of the school of the saints like she teaches all saints becoming contagious. She uh, he says this and in them uh those who are uh, great entre- intra- interpreters of true Eucharistic piety, these saints 
Uh, from them, the theology of the Eucharist takes on all splendor of a lived reality. It becomes contagious, and in a manner of speaking, it warms our hearts. Above all, let us listen to Mary, most holy, in whom the mystery of the Eucharist appears more than anyone else uh, as a mystery of light. So I just, I mean, Mary has been an amazing blessing to my family, and it's so cliche to pray the rosary as Catholics, but it's so good and cool too. Like you got to make it your own. And I just see this like with my family, how um, it is a, it is a pillar for our family to, to end the evening um, by asking our lady for intercession, whether it be a decade because we have a four year old, two year old and seven month old or a full rosary sometimes, which works before bed with the kids reading the Bibles in their beds or whatever. You're just trying to keep them from climbing all over each other too much, letting the Benadryl and melatonin kick in. Um, but like just the rosary is it's it's uh, an anchor, it's an anchor um, on the sea of life, and I just can't recommend it enough. Like find me a saint who speaks lowly of the rosary, and I'll find you a heretic. Where did, can um, I say that? I think I did. I just did that. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that uh, devotion like stem from for your family? Honestly, I can probably point back to my mother-in-law. Because when I came into the faith as uh, a senior in high school, um, and long before that, actually, she gave me this pocket rosary, mm-hmm. this like little like decade rosary that I wrapped around my wallet and actually broke it because I was using it so much. Um, and I was praying it in school. Like, I was not listening to AP Bio, which is probably why I got a zero on the AP Bio test at the end of the year or whatever. But I did get an A in the class, so, you know, there's that. But uh, <laughs> Rosary, rosary, rosary. Seriously, I was just like, dude, this is it. What else? Nothing else matters. Like, nothing else matters. Like, if I had a Bible out, like, the teacher would throw down with me. And I'm like, I can't risk that. I'm going to just do a little under the table, like, intercession Mm -hmm. with our lady. Just like, Mary, please. Mm -hmm. And I was just praying nonstop, learning the rosary, learning the mysteries, learning everything. And just, um, she was holding my hand the entire way um, into the church and even beyond. so yeah, I think that's probably where it started for me. And it's just so simple because it's heavenly. Like the prayer itself is heaven of heavenly origin. And it's the mother of our Lord. Like who else is going to teach us how to be rightly human aside from our Lord? She's not God. She's not divine, but she's Mary. She's this, this specially graced one. She was the fullness of what humanity was meant to be. And I, I want to be that. And she teaches that to all men everywhere at all times. I think that uh, it's just so beautiful how she flies to our aid Yeah. every time that we pick up the rosary right? Um, and call upon her. And how providential the Lord is through her intercession. Like there's that, there's the age old quip about like St. Peter being all freaked out about all these just random people like getting into heaven and he goes to our Lord, Lord, what's the deal? Like, is there a back door? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes, it's our, it's my mother's and she's got her own set of keys kind of doing. <laughs> so it's like, there's a beautiful poem by Fulton Sheen. I think it's by Fulton Sheen. It's one of those things that you just walk through the library at the seminary when you're bored, just kind of reading sure. from random books. But uh, Fulton Sheen said, wrote some poem along the lines of, um, imagine, you know, he, he said, my goal, yeah, like, I want to imagine meeting meeting Jesus in heaven yeah, and him saying to me, Jesus saying to Fulton Sheen something along the lines of, uh, ah, I heard your, I heard my mother speak about you, yeah. you know, and the familiarity that, that, uh, she brings with the Lord and how she's constantly pointing to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
incessantly. Right. And in the Eucharist too, because, uh, you know, John Paul II is the one that gave us the luminous mysteries where we explicitly reflect on this context of Mary and the Eucharist, mm -hmm. right? Because the last supper isn't in the, the traditional set of three mysteries. Mm. And so the institution comes with these, right. the luminous mysteries. Right. And, you know, I, I've always loved images and depictions of, uh, St. John, the evangelist giving Mary communion. You see those in some stained glass yeah. windows in some of our older churches, Mary for, you know, and, and during the remainder of her earthly life, receiving the Holy Eucharist from, right. from St. John and how, um, it's and John Paul writes about it in here how it's a it's like a to have the the substantial presence of her son's body within her yet again yeah you know to be fed by him yeah over and over and over um, it's yeah Mary it's is nuts. the the queen of the saints and the woman of the Eucharist as John Paul right really does talk about and the the power of like intercession done well like. Jesus said, it's not my time. It's not my time, mother. It's not my time. No, not yet. At the wedding feast of Cana. No, not yet. And she says, do whatever he tells you. So like the, the faith of man has the power to move God. Like that's insane. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't just a, oh, Mary's special kind of thing. No, it was like she was operating at a place of faith that what she spoke would come to be. Um, because she already was espoused to the Holy Spirit. She was, she was already in union with the Lord, mm -hmm. like having literally born him. And just how, yeah, when we when we interact with the world around us in faith and even just implore the Lord to, to show up and to uh, to provide in whatever way we, whatever way we truly need, if we're just honest about that, he will do it. How many times did Jesus say, knock and it will be open to you? Like, just ask anything you ask of the Father in my name, I will do it. No longer will you have to go to somebody else. You can just, you can just straight up ask the Father in my name and I will do it because I'm faithful and I will, I don't leave my kids abandoned and like, I will, I will do it. Yeah. I think that, uh, Mary's fiat, um, is just so beautiful. Yeah. And we actually wouldn't have Jesus without it. And, and to be able to sit and ponder that, um, I'm just very grateful for the gift of our lady and, right. um, yeah, just her yes. And I think in her, yes, it also gives us the courage to give our yes on a daily basis to God. Yeah. Um, and that was a little nugget that I took, um, from this document. Um, and just, yeah, it was very edifying to see Mary's yes. Um, and just how in communion, as we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, um, we are called to trust that it is him yeah. in the Eucharist as well. Um, and so her yes allows me and gives me the grace to have the courage to believe that Jesus is truly present in the right. Eucharist. Yeah. And just uh, I want to speak a word to anybody who's listening right now who is suffering, who is lonely who is anxious about many things, who is, you know, maybe someone in your life has passed away recently or you're alone or um, maybe you're battling depression or whatever. Like Mary, Mary gets that. Like she gets that. She gets pain. Like just because she's supernaturally uh, uh, graced by the Lord and set aside and set apart in a unique and powerful way doesn't mean that she doesn't 
understand us too. And it's just like go to her because she's a great, great mom. Yeah, she's our lady of sorrows too. Yeah, mm. you know she, the fiat. There was it was always yes, but it was it was yes, in tears at the foot of the cross. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it was yes, but there was, you know, the sword piercing her heart yeah. that, um, that Simeon prophesied. Right. Um, you know, and that we have we have the rosary, but we also have the seven sorrows devotion, yeah. the seven joys devotion. That mm-hmm. she she understands every aspect of human life. Just like we said earlier, Jesus can handle it. You know, whatever, whatever it is that I feel like Jesus, I don't want to tell Jesus he can handle it. Mm -hmm. So, so too, Mary can handle whatever it is you're going to feel like you're going to throw at her. She wants all (laughs) your dirty laundry. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, first of all, Lee, thank you for doing this podcast and thank you for participating in the Eucharistic revival in a way that is putting your gifts and talents at the service of the church. As he said, as Lee said earlier, um, you know, he stayed on, on the floor of my room for a semester at KU. True. Uh, and, you know, I've seen Lee become a man of deep, 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 deep faith. And so, one, I'm grateful for your friendship and your brotherhood. But at the same time, to, to all listeners, um, to everyone who's praying for a revival of Eucharistic faith and fervor. Um, pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for the people around you to to have that deepened in them. And don't be afraid of spending quiet time uh, in the Eucharist and in adoration. You know, adoration is, adoration came about from the desire of the people at the time to lengthen the amount of time the priest was holding the Eucharist up. They kept asking, they would ask him to hold it longer and longer and longer because they believed that it was, that they wouldn't die that day if they saw the host elevated. So people were asking the priest to hold it longer and longer. And so really what you're seeing in adoration is um, an extension of that moment where priestly hands are, are raising the Lord uh, high in the air. And so um, ask for a deep faith in the Eucharist, but that there's a special invitation I want to extend to do that in the context of the sacred liturgy in mass, most especially, and also in adoration. So I invite you, um, go to mass one, one more time a week. Yeah. Attend mass on Sunday. Yes. And do it, do it again during the week. If you have the chance. Yeah. I think for me, um, yeah. Thank you Lee for, Oh, it's uh, an honor, honor, honor sure. for your invitation and for allowing me to be here. Um, I think that this conversation has definitely renewed, um, me and yeah i just want to go sit with jesus now yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah just uh, to echo what aaron said um to not be afraid uh to be silent and to to sit with the lord in adoration um yeah so i'm just very grateful for this and yeah what a gift it is to be here amen yeah and just this is this is a lee I'm put this on my tombstone, all right? Like the best prayer you can pray is the most honest one. So just like start talking. Start talking with the Lord. Get your place in a get yourself to a place where you can just like talk to him. Um out loud, whatever, in in the quiet of your heart, in the quiet of your mind, that's fine. But just talk to him and be honest, because if we're not being honest with the Lord, what are we being? You know, like just give him your heart wherever it is, and he will happily receive you and just show you how much he loves you. Deacon Tim, brother Aaron. Miss Lucy, it's been an honor to have you. 
And just thank you for your yes. Thank you for your your little way. Thank you for your your vocation in progress and process. Thank you for your your vulnerability to share your vulnerability to discern what the Lord's call on your life is. Yeah, just thank you for your life and for your witness because I can speak. I could write volumes already over how you guys sitting here right now have actually uh, borne so much fruit for the kingdom of God. I'm just so grateful for your friendship, grateful for your witness. Thank you for being a missionary. Thank you for getting out there. Um, but not to break the point, it's just really a blessing to, to co-labor in the Lord's vineyard together. So let's bring it further in his name. And Mary, intercede for us. But yeah, guys, it's been an honor to talk today. If you're listening to this and this uh, conversation has blessed you, please leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, five stars. And uh, tell your friends and family, please share this with somebody who you think needs it. This is reaching the Catholic world and the non-Catholic world alike. So uh, literally thousands of people all over the U.S. and even Canada, Mexico, and Europe. Like People are already listening to this from all over the world. So uh, please keep spreading the word. And um, guys, this has been New Man. It's been an honor to have you. We'll see you next week.